Welcome to Relevant Parties by Carhartt Work in Progress. I'm Charles Ravens, and in this series, I'm going behind the scenes at some of the world's best independent record labels to meet the visionaries and the obsessives who've made musical history. In each episode, we sit down with one of these label founders to find out what makes them tick. We hear the tall tales and big ideas behind some of the most influential records and scenes of the past 30 years, and maybe try to work out just what possessed them to take on one of the most challenging jobs in the music industry. So far on Relevant Parties, I've been finding out about labels from Europe and North America. And for reasons both cultural and geographical, those labels are in closer conversation with each other. They tend to speak the same language, figuratively at least. But this time, we're meeting the co-founder of a record label from a very different musical culture and a different language. Tara Keeson is one of the people behind Tokyo's Jazzy Sports, a label, a store, and occasionally a holiday company launched in 2003 in Shibuya. It turns out Tara got his first big clubbing experiences in my own city of London, where he discovered Acid House and Pirate Radio in the early 90s. But he entered the music biz properly through a job at the pioneering Japanese hip-hop label File Records. When he moved on to launch Jazzy Sport, it didn't take long to establish the label as one of the most important hubs of a burgeoning hip-hop culture in Japan. Taking influence from that particular theme of vinyl-worshipping, sample-digging beat culture that hails Dilla and Madlib as kings. There are a few artists who are especially closely tied to the label, including the hip-hop group Gaggle and their breakout DJ Mitsu The Beats, veteran selector and super versatile dance producer Grooveman Spot, and the members of acid jazz ensemble Chrome Magnon, one of whom even released a stunning jazz piano album on the label recently. So although its roots are in hip-hop, it's an eclectic portal for all kinds of music. And as well as the label and several bricks and mortar stores, Jazzy Sport has branched out into physical recreation too, with regular skiing trips and even climbing competitions. Sadly, my Japanese is pretty limited, but Taro has stepped up to the plate to tell the Jazzy Sport story in English. Before we started talking, he mentioned that he hated hearing his own voice on tape, which is something I think a lot of us can sympathise with. And he even asked if he could put a Darth Vader effect on his. Now, we haven't done that, obviously, but this is definitely one of those conversations that it was at high risk of getting lost in translation. Given the language barrier and the physical distance, I think he's smashed it. Hi, Taro. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. And tell me, where are you today, Taro? Tokyo, Meguro World. And is that close to where the Jazzy Sports shop would be? I can walk from my home to office and shop. Just one stop, I walk. Oh, right. That's not too bad. So tell me about how 2020 has worked out for you then. It's been <laughs> such a strange year. <laughs> how, how has coronavirus affected you and, and the label? Not so much event going on because it's funded and it's really hard to... People tend to not to go in now and gathering in a small underground dark places with a packing many people. So uh, it's really terrible. Feel the fear of the, you know, throwing the event and the do DJing and the gathering people. So uh, it's mm. a lot of effects, bad effects for the event itself. Mm. But all the artists we really taking care, uh, they're kind of 
try to survive without DJing and just make money releasing their music. Mm. And are the jazzy sports shops actually open again now? We closed once when the government said really hard things around mm. April, early May. We closed a little while and then we reopened after that and never closed down again. Okay. Um, how many stores are there at the moment? Because I know that you, at one point there was a store in Hong Kong, right? Is that still there? That was wrong. And we never opened up a uh, shop in Hong Kong. Oh, really? Yeah, Korea, Seoul Town, Seoul City. Oh, okay. Once, a long time before, and it's, it's been closing a long time. Just, uh, we have a friend, a musical friend in Seoul, in Korea. Mm-hmm. He invited us a lot for a gig in Seoul, and mm-hmm. um, he decided to open a little shop, and then he, he could speak Japanese too. Mm-hmm. All right. And he <laughs> started teaching Korean people Japanese like a tuition mm-hmm. in there a little bit and uh, he dealing with just a few records from us and uh, teach apparel things it's been like uh, only a few years you know less than a few years okay so it was like a language school and a record shop at the same time yeah you know korean people i mean i guess they open up quick and if it's not good going it's not going well they close they closing quickly <laughs> right. <laughs> in the UK, especially recently, it's become really difficult to run a record store. Um, yeah. And a lot of the classic London stores have definitely closed down in the last decade. Yeah, um, sure. I guess that's partly because a lot of people are streaming music instead of buying it, but mm. also because it's so expensive to rent a building. Mm. How does that compare in Japan? How easy is it to keep a record store running in the city? It's kind of same in same as in London. Right. Yeah, people, especially young people, tend to do uh, streaming things or subscription. That's easier mm-hmm. and that they don't have money, you know. And then in Japan and, I mean, Tokyo, uh, rent is high, like London town. And, but uh, all records, like a second hand, you can only find a record store. So there's some record shops still survive. Mm-hmm. Do you sell any secondhand sh- uh, records in the shop? Yeah, some. Yeah, we used to sell a lot more, but now uh, new stuff and some stockies. Because it used to be the case, I think, that Japan was a really big market for physical records, especially CDs, uh, even when other countries were, were had kind of stopped selling so many of them. Mm. So I wondered if that was still the case, that people are buying physical records. But do you think that younger people have actually moved into streaming now? Mm, maybe? I guess so. Yeah, CD, we used to sell. On, it's like a Galapagos, you know. Mm, we're still selling the CD in Japan because of, uh, we have... Um, Still got Tower Records. Oh, yeah, Tower Records. Yeah, nationwide. <laughs> wow, yeah. They even American Tower Records closing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. we still sell um, maybe for them, you know? And they, it's going smaller soon, I guess. Right. What about you? Do you do you still collect CDs? No. Really? <laughs> only vinyl. And vinyl only. Buy music, uh, old music with the vinyl and um, new stuff with um, some records and digitals as mm-hmm. I do DJ so I need uh, new things because do you DJ with both do you DJ with digital and vinyl yeah both uh, we hmm. carry a USB 
with the digital music. Now, vinyl is easy to handle all the time. We carry both, but I mainly use vinyl if I carry both. Mm -hmm. So in recent years, I've definitely heard quite a lot about the culture of listening bars and kind of audiophile bars in Japan. It's something that mm. I think a lot of people over here are really fascinated by. Mm. Oh, I wanted to know what the jazzy sports stores are actually like. And are they anything like a listening bar? Like, is it somewhere that you could go to like hang out and have a drink and listen to music? Is that kind of the vibe? We don't do such listening bar kind of things in jazzy sports shops. Sometimes we do an in-store event, not for the listening bar. But it is the kind of place, because uh, it's open late, right? So I guess it must be the kind of place where people hang out and meet each other? Yeah, 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 yeah. sometimes. But we used to sell alcohol too. Oh, right. Yeah, the people off the money, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but not now, you know, before. Oh, oh, we, right. When we used to have a shop in Shibuya, not now. We moved out. And why did you leave Shibuya? Because of um, lots of record shops closing down. Because Shibuya oh, right. was a kind of Guinness Records number of record shop back then. Oh, right. There were yeah. too many. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so small, small secondhand shop in a mansion, tower mansion kind of things. And mm -hmm. lots of record shop out there. But that was. And then we fear it. And then we should move out other place to do our own things. And then listening bar... I can recommend it to you. It's uh, my friend running. They opened last year. It's called Counter Bar. And then they do some... Counter Bar? Yeah, it's in Shimokitazawa, where we have a shop, another shop, newest Jazzy Sports shop. What kind of music do they play in Counter Bar? I don't know. They do... They slow kind of, um, They like um, kind of event every day. Mm -hmm. But they don't have a dance floor. Just a counter. Yeah. Big counter. That's why they call it counter. But, oh, right. Yeah. And then, yeah, some people dance in the tiny places. But, um, yeah, they do related uh, dance music, basically, I guess. R&B and hip-hop, down-tempo, twisted, and mm, many. I think uh, there have been a couple of places in, in London that have attempted to be a bit like a Japanese listing bar, but mm. I don't really think it... I don't know if it works quite. I don't know if people pay enough attention to the music here. <laughs> <laughs> they use it as a pub. Exactly. <laughs> Everyone's just thing, talking. You know, I like pub. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like the pub too, mm. but you see, the, the novelty of a listening bar. Same thing, you know? Yeah, okay. They, they drink a lot, that's it. <laughs> okay, so let's go to the beginning of the Jazzy Sport label. Can you tell me a little bit about how the label started and were you involved right from the beginning? Yeah, I was kind of one of the founder. Me and the other partner called Masaya, Masaya Fantagista, he's kind of famous in the <laughs> underground. <laughs> and um, we used to work for another independent label in Tokyo. I've been there like eight years and then Masaya came after graduate university and then he quit or got fired in three, three years. <laughs> <laughs> and then we hung out together a lot because of our taste, musical taste is similar. So we become a good friend, not just like a core workers. And then I can still continue, I could still continue to the work in the same label, but uh, it was kind of boring. It was underground label too. And what was they, the other label? My ex-label called Fire Records. 
F-I-L-E. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you dig it, uh, they are famous. Mm-hmm. They're huge too. And uh, they're dealing with uh, fast Japanese hip-hop music back then. It's underground. And also, you know, you have you heard about the Major Force? Yeah. Yeah, Major Force, they distributing. So that's why I know the five records right. from the kids. And uh, I dream about Walk for the Walk there too. Oh, I see. Because so is of this the major force. Major force was big. Because of major force, right, right. Yeah, yeah, because beginning with the Japanese hip hop and then they go tour overseas and DJing, the fast DJ culture. And so is this like the mid 90s? Uh, for the major force? Uh, well, when you were at File? Uh, I was, I started, worked there for 95. Mm-hmm. And eight years, so I'm um, 20. Yeah, and. Eight years So that was quite an exciting time for, for hip-hop and for Japanese hip-hop as well. So then tell me a bit about what your vision for jazzy sport was. How did you want it to be kind of different or why did you think it, you needed like a new project? Yeah, so I go back a little bit, you know, and I quit. And then me, Messiah, start talking about the put up the new label and I put out the... Uh, Music, what we like. And uh, we both hate our boss. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the main reason, you know. We, that's the main reason. We, that's know, a good reason. We really hate. And then <laughs> we, could, we couldn't, we can't stand. So uh, then we start talking about, because we both really into, you know, Slum Village. Slum Village, yeah, okay. Yeah, we uh, we really like Slum Village back then. So that's um, common interesting between me and Messiah. So we we should start a new label without that boss, you know. <laughs> um, well, tell me a bit more about your, your vision for the label then, because uh, so Slum Village as, as a kind of shared taste, um, mm. definitely yeah. that's, clear, that's clearly like the groundwork for the label in so many ways, Dilla and that kind of MPC type of hip hop yeah. style. But, but what else though, because I feel like you, you must have had some interest in, in kind of dance music and soul and house and stuff. Was that there at the mm. same time or did that kind of come separately? Mm, at the same time, simply. Mm. Yeah, I into house and dance music too, and uh, R&B a little bit, but uh, I like the instrumental. Mm. So uh, I also do uh, housey DJs and hip-hop. We love both, so. Yeah, okay. So you didn't really see a separation between them necessarily? No, 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 no not at all. Because of, yeah. um, when I was a kid, like 18 years, 18 years old, in Tokyo, the club was so small, it's like a bar. <laughs> and then they spin both sides, hip-hop and house. Yeah, It's hard to get the vinyl. It's really underground things. But I was really into that kind of things. And then after that, i been to UK, I'm in London, for studying English and music and then buying lots of records and going club. And, and that, that was oh, okay. a big influence. Early 90s. Big right was, there. Okay, so you were in London in the early 90s. So you were here yeah, for that yeah. kind of big, big kind of house explosion here then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Taking mm. exercise and ashes and all that. What kind of um, club nights did you go to in London in the 90s? London? London, mm. it's called a Crazy Club and uh, Heaven. And oh, Heaven. Rage. 
like a five-year-old group rider. Rage, yeah, okay, great. Yeah, that's a legend, yeah. And, and uh, I really into Pirate Station too, mm-hmm. which we don't have in Tokyo. Really? No. Has that never been something that, that Japan has had, Pirate Radio? No. So Pirate Radio was fun for me, you know. Yeah. Where you live, different tiny station, you know, you can't catch. So um, I always taped Pirate Station and go into the record shop and let them listen to Byron <laughs> records because uh, they they speak so slang, you know. Oh, good, yeah. And then it's hard to catch the, the artist name and title. And I let them, the shop assistant, listen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's hard enough to hear it if you speak English really well, I think. It's, the accents no. are quite strong. <laughs> <laughs> so at that time then, were you were you already starting to, to DJ and things, or were you just a listener then? I was DJing, um, but not famous, not really, really famous. Sports no, no, friends okay. and parties and... Yeah, yeah. So then I guess when you came back to Japan, mm. was there much of a scene for that kind of music or was hip hop uh was was hip hop or house making a big impact at that point? I imagine house was, but I, I don't really know. when did that really arrive in Japan? Lave came after maybe five years after I came back. Okay. It was time differences. Some underground club dealing with um Hardcore house or maybe jungle, but only few. Right. And then the, in Tokyo, there's the influence from New York and UK. So New York house was big, but right. much more than live, you know. And when you first started Jazzy Sport, then so you so you had the kind of slum village influence, but um, mm. were there were there any labels that you were inspired by when you started? Mm, Stone Slow was the one. Really? <laughs> yeah, but they weren't. That much big, not like now. No, they would have been quite new then, really. Yes, so that was kind of inspiration. Everybody can do DIY kind of. Mm. And then we start label with a record shop too. So they started at the same time, the shop yeah, and the label? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. We, we're hunting down, uh, headhunting head the buyers. <laughs> uh, our friends, you know, our record shop, we often we go to buy. Uh, new records and then and then we start talking about oh, we're going to do some record label and, and, and they're sick and tired of their shops and easy to headhunting <laughs> <laughs> we headhunt two important buyers from Inchibu Maha- oh really some records and the Guinness records and then, then we talk about um, shops and they invest for the shops, making the shops. Okay, so you mm. found the best. You found the best record buyers and got them to work for you instead, so that you yeah, have yeah. all the best stuff. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and were you putting on any parties at, at that kind of time? We did. Each of them doing DJ, and they have their own connection and their own tiny parties. Sometimes we all together, and then. One party kind of famous was uh, Jazz Cats. Jazz Cats. Yeah, that was in the hotel ballroom <laughs> by Mansri. And then we, our friend Bebop Jazz Dancers always come through. To, they organized that one. And then uh-huh. we mainly do DJ. And that was kind of big. And then lots of ladies came through. <laughs> <laughs> that was hotel ballroom. That was important. That's a jazz club too. 
Oh, it is a jazz club, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The hotel got jazz live house mm-hmm. for the weekend, late night. They don't have nothing, so. Right. Yeah. And so at that point, then, like, how how popular was hip hop in Japan? Or like, were you doing something that was quite quite unusual? Like, was it just you guys who were putting on this particular type of hip hop? Mm, popular. That everybody know the term of hip hop and then all the imports and domestic both sides. So um, yeah, but they don't mingle well. You know why? Why is that? They feel like they sound strange. You know. I don't know. I love <laughs> Japanese hip hop too, but uh, not for my DJing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's something about it that you don't, for some reason, you don't want to dance to it as much, or it doesn't seem to tick the box. Do you play Japanese hip hop back in the day, in that era? People go, <laughs> people <laughs> like a floor clears. The floor so, clears. Uh, <laughs> but not now. It's really big now. Right. Okay. So it's yeah, different it's, now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's huge. Um, I'd like to know about the sport part of the label, though. Can you tell me a bit about this? Because from from what I've gathered um, over the years, you have had uh, a football team mm. and you organise like sporting sporting activities, like skiing <laughs> even. <laughs> tell, uh, tell, tell me what, what this is all about. When did that start? <laughs> that was because me and my partner Masaya into and we like football too and we used to have a football team for uh, not football like you know futsal five aside oh five aside yeah futsal. yeah, yeah more great technical, okay skillful yeah or oh, much more skillful <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah we used to do that in uh, after work every week once a week after midnight like uh, 12 to 3 o'clock in the morning oh wow <laughs> and a lot we get as a um, kind of dj or musical friend even though dj from overseas like lefto and shimbad those guys too and then one time we did um attempt to do adidas cup oh yeah we won and then been to Berlin and then joined the competition when the World Cup was happened. Oh, wow. And then we were the second in the world <laughs> at the Cup. <laughs> <laughs> that was one famous story about our football team. Okay, so you're actually pretty good then. Yeah, we still do a football too, but um, more, not like a jazzy sport team, you know. Oh, okay. So there's not an official jazzy sport team no, anymore. no, no. no. <laughs> Um, what about skiing? Is it true that you used to organize skiing trips? Uh, in that sense, yeah. Because we <laughs> had um we have a regular big indoor festival. Oh yeah. In a Api Jaji Sport. It's called Api Jaji Sport. It's mm-hmm. happening every January. So up north in Japan and we do a hotel ballroom festival, musical festival on a Saturday night. And then we stay there a little while. In the daytime, we ski and snowboarding. Right. That sounds like a fun festival. Yeah, it's kind of big. We've been doing this um, 12 years this year. Oh, wow. So lots of le- local people coming through and uh, say hello. And, you know, it's like a New Year gathering for them. Yeah, yeah. It's happening in Iwate Prefecture. You, if you Google it, you know where it is. It's really up north. Up north, right, yeah. So are you a snowboarder or a skier? 
ski. Are you? <laughs> yeah, we produce、uh, collaborating ski itself too with a Japanese domestic brand called Vector Glide. You produce the skis, like actual skis? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can check Vector、oh. um, Glide.com and、um, there's a three type of different, three different type of jerseys for Vector Glide collaboration skis. Nice. <laughs> producing just、um, designs of a graphic of Top sheet. Cool, yeah, yeah, yeah.、Mm. And then we sell some too. What about any other sports? Have there, have there been any other teams? Or is it just the football and the skiing? Climbing. Climbing? Yeah, we actually run in a bouldering gym too. Oh, wow. In Iwate, the, the same area where we have a winter festival every year. Oh, cool. This is very trendy now. Lots of people are doing climbing. I've never done it. Yeah, you should do it. Is this the recent sport and the most recent edition? Hmm. でも、ブリティッシュ、also we get really involved with the climbing things, like、um, competition. Oh, really? Yeah, 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 because we did a World Cup last year, like one week or something for DJing for them、uh-huh. while they compete. And、uh, we are one of the most <laughs> important DJs for the competition for the climbs.、Oh, wow. You know, the brand called North Face? Yeah. Every year they do organize the North Face Cup nationwide and then final. So we do every competition nationwide and then final, big final coming in February. And then we also do DJing for them. Wow. Okay. So, what, so while people are climbing, you're playing music in the background as well. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. That. Oh, great. So without sound, it's like a funeral. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it is. We try once. Because the organizer said they, when the final stop music, it's like really quiet, like a really hardcore underground、uh, martial arts fighting. Kind、yeah. of thing. <laughs> But every city, in every country got the music background of the, for the climbing competition. I say.、Mm, especially in Europe, they're big. It's like a festival almost. People、oh, yeah. It's super popular now, isn't it?、Mm. So,、uh, climbing is、uh, one thing because of the you know, Olympic Games.、Mm-hmm. So, 2020 Tokyo Olympic Games, including、uh, climbing, sports climbing as a new game. Oh, it was going to be a new game, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like,、um, Uh, same as in skateboarding. Yeah. What are they going to do with it then? Is it going to happen next year? I don't think so. You don't think so? Wow.、Mm, I hate Olympics. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why? It's、yeah. because of,、um, they lose their original concept, you know, just for the money now. Big、yeah. party, you know, big brothers thing. Yeah, and it costs the city so much to, to do yeah, it. I mean, when you had an Olympic game in London, you're happy? When it happened, I did love it. Like, I thought、mm. it was amazing for the two weeks that it was happening. But before that, it, like, it costs so much yeah, money. Yeah, 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 yeah. It costs so much money. Yeah, and yeah. now it's just, I mean, it's a cool part of London, but they're not using the, the venues very well. They're just, the, most of them, they're empty.、Mm, so. That's not、It's、a lot of money to spend. No, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. So some people get money for those, and then some people don't.、Mm, that's why. <laughs> okay, let's talk about some of the、um, some of the artists who featured on the label、um, mm-hmm. a lot.、Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to mention DJ Mitsu the Beats,、mm-hmm. uh, and he's also part of the hip hop trio called. So are they called Gaggle or Gaggle? Yeah, Gaggle. Gaggle. Yeah. 
Um, so Mitsu, Mitsu has been making music for like years and years and years, like at, at least 20 years, I, I would reckon. So when, when did you meet him and why did he become part of Jazzy Sport? I mean, his sound makes so much sense with what you're doing, but mm. did you already know him at the beginning of Jazzy Sport? Yeah, because there was a story when we had started Jazzy Sport, because that my ex-able, I told, I told you, File, yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah, I let them debut from the file record as a, me as a A&R. And then they, I, I picked pick them up. And, oh, you were an A&R? Yeah, yeah, for them. Uh-huh. And then mm-hmm. I made them debut. I see. They sent them all to the file records and they, they were, that was really, really good quality on a cassette tape. So I fried to them. They're from Atlas too. So I talked them and they're going to have a gig soon in Akita City. So I fly there. I saw them and then we talked and then they were good. So I made them debut on five records. Then we talked five records and set up a new label. If you want, come together. <laughs> we invite them to do new things on a jazzy sport. So yeah. I, Mitsu was an incredible beat maker. That was, so maybe we can start with his, uh, album, own album, international album. I mean, not Japanese hip hop, like featuring many artists from overseas. And mm. that was one of the uh, milestones of the Jazzy Sport. The reason why we started Jazzy Sport too. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So it was kind of discovering Gaggle that made you think that you wanted to run a, a label that was kind of like like that and to release music as good as that. Mm. Um, and, and how have they kind of developed over the years? Because I guess then you've kind of grown at the same time. Like, how have you, how has your kind of relationship grown over the years or, or their, their vision for music? Mm. So through the music, my ex-label, I already got some connection with them. Um, Obviously, artists and uh, vinyl factories. And, um, yeah, I know how to deal with uh, producing music and put out. That was when we don't have internet like right now, you know. Yeah. Not uh, just a CD and vinyl, that's it. Yeah. Maybe data. It's only for a few people. And so uh, I was good at product music through the experience, eight years for five records, so... That was easy for me in the underground way. I read an article uh, about the hip hop scene in Japan and it was interesting. There were some rappers and artists in this article who were, who were foreign. They were from overseas and they felt that it was hard to become part of the hip hop scene in Japan, mm. um, even though they'd been living in Japan a long time. But so then do you see yourself as part of the Japanese scene or are you actually in a sense more international? Like where do you see yourselves? We do it as international. Yeah. We do it as internationally, we think. We try to because uh, get an audience from the overseas is much more easier. Through the internet, you know, we can get more audience. They yeah. like our music, you know, not just Japan. Japan is maybe only 2,000 people. We uh, They listen to our music, maybe... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Through the internet, we can get 
much more from the states and Euro and other territories. So, have you found that over the years, as the internet has improved people's connections with each other, and as SoundCloud and Bandcamp have come along and Discogs, mm. have you found that over the years it's actually been easier then to to get that international audience and to to kind of cultivate a international fan base? I think so. Before that,、uh, we、um, you know doing a tour in. Because we were invited U.S. and London Euro as a DJ, so、um, maybe we get before Bandcamp or Soundcloud came, we already did that. So、uh, we already got、uh, audience there because we took up all overseas MCs and singers and those kind of people, and also we really put out the underground overseas artists through Jazzy Sport. So. We export、yeah. too, you know. We press vinyl in Germany. All、oh, right,、states. yeah. Yeah, states and Germany. States before, and then they closing down quickly, and then we move. We change it to the Germany press company, so we ship out commercial product from there.、Mm. That's easier and cheaper. You know, shipping fees are pretty、uh, weak point about sharing the music distribution. Yeah, right. Yeah, much easier to actually press the vinyl abroad than to post it from Japan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the overseas distributor in Euro UK easily to buy, so easy to distribute without the high cost of shipping fee. And yeah, so that was kind of good way of spread the music through the vinyl.、Mm. So in that sense, I guess you've always imagined yourselves to as being an international label. That was always the aim.、Mm, yeah, in that sense, yeah, one of the aim. Main aim is、uh, share the music, put out the music we like. That's it. That <laughs> main, but do it internationally. It's a fun. Yeah. Another very busy artist on Jazzy Sport is Grooveman Spot,、mm. who is a producer and a DJ who definitely takes a lot of influence from all of that kind of beat scene, MPC type stuff, but also house and soul and R and B, and、mm. he's he's clearly like a big collector, I, I would say,、um, yeah. and he's <laughs> he's been DJing since I think the early nineties. He's released a lot of records, basically.、Mm. Um, Tell me, tell me a bit about Grooveman Spot and how you met him. What's he like? He he was one of the producer for Gago debut album. Oh, really? He was producing Gago. Okay. Gago debut album because of they from Sendai City. Oh right, they were from Sendai. Yeah, yeah. Then from、mm. they both from Sendai, and then Gago wants to uh, ask uh, Grooveman Spot one of the, the tunes for their album. They know each other well in local. And so I'm done with the I, I, the idea. So I ask him to produce one track for the Gago out, debut album.、Mm. So back then the technology wasn't that good like this, like now, right now. So <laughs> he come to Tokyo to to do some studio work. So、I、invited him. I invited him to come to Tokyo and they let him stay in my house and do studio work for Gago. So that was when I met him. What's he like? He was really yeah, cool, nice guy, and he was young, younger. He was、yeah. much, much younger than me. And then Mitsu and Grooveman Spot with it's like beats friends, like both make new beats, and then they 
listen to each other and uh, check the techniques and that kind of relationship they have. So um, I respect him. One of his、um, more recent projects is this、uh, kind of beat tape series called Resynthesis.、Mm-hmm. And all of the tapes、mm-hmm. are kind of named after colors, they're all kind of a different style.、Mm-hmm. Would it be fair to say that the label is looking to create a kind of timeless sound rather than,、uh, rather than kind of focusing on, on new trends or chasing trends?、Mm, I don't think he. Cha- He d o n t chase him. He doesn't、yeah. chase him trends at all. He made that series of re-, <laughs> re-, re-, yeah. re synthesis. Yeah. <laughs> that common word in English?、Uh, not a common word in English, no. Synthesis, maybe, but not re synthesis. Some people don't understand the meaning, right? It's, it's not really.、Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely obscure. So, so that album aimed to basically for the dancers. Dancer, album for dancers,、right? yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. In Japan, dancers is not、uh, really well treated, you know. Dancers is always like、uh, underground. Some people are really, really good, but,、uh, you know, dancers always under the surface. Yeah, okay. Dan-、mm. Dancers like always underground, always、mm. a bit unfairly treated in some yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's hard to make money with the dance, you know. Right. Mm. I don't know in London, same, no? No, I would say it was probably quite different, really. I mean, definitely in recent years, DJs and clubs have been, well, you know, DJing itself、mm. has been one of the main ways for producers to make money. It's,、um, mm. yeah, it's definitely the, the opposite, I would say. So, Koji,、uh, Guruman Spot himself used to do dancers. He used to be a dancer. so...、Um, oh, he used to be a dancer?、Uh, he was a dancer. Okay. So he got a special feeling for dancers, so that's why he made that kind of beat series for dancers. He didn't say much about it for、uh, promotion because I made this album for dancers. <laughs> I think and he said to me like that. That's why it's only spent on the use, useful for dance shows and stuff. Mm. Okay, I have some kind of fun, quick fire questions for you. Okay. Fast questions. All right. So, if Jazzy Sport was an animal, what animal would it be?、Mm, it's difficult. <laughs> <laughs> fish. A fish? <laughs> Any kind of fish? Not particular. <laughs> Just a fish, fine. <laughs> Any fish. <laughs> okay, if, if Jazzy Sport was a food item, what would it be? Probably fish. I like fish and chips. Also, fish, okay. <laughs>、uh, if Jazzy Sport was a season, what would it be? Winter. Ah, it's all that skiing.、Mm, I like winter, and Masai love winter too. <laughs> would you rather be up early or out late? Up early. Oh, that's a surprising answer. Okay, good. Nowadays, I don't go to clubs, so <laughs> I couldn't go to clubs, so I up early, like five in the morning. Wow. Yeah. Would you rather be in the city or in the country? Country. I'm down with the city now. Are you over it?、Mm. I should move. <laughs> And would you rather be by the sea or in the mountains? In the mountains. Right. Skiing, of course. That makes sense.、Uh, finally, what was the last record that you bought? Can. Can. A classic. Yeah. That's the last one I got. I haven't heard it yet, you know. It's shield. Oh, yeah, beautiful. 
Are you a big can fan? Not at all. <laughs> oh, right. So it's kind of new to you. Are you? Oh, yeah. I love can. Uh, yeah, definitely. That's a great couple of records to be getting into during COVID, I think. Right. Okay. <laughs> I knew. So Jazzy Sport has also released records by Cro-Magnon um, and they're like an actual band, a group, a uh, kind of acid jazz group, mm-hmm. um, blending like jazz and soul and hip hop. Um, and I was thinking about how with that kind of link between hip hop and jazz, uh, they remind me a little bit of the way that um, someone like Kamazi Washington releases on Brain Feeder, you know, it's like Aww. it's a jazz group, mm-hmm. but on a label that's more usually like an electronic Mm. label. And I know that obviously there's this huge and established jazz scene in Japan, like that's that's big. But is there much crossover, do you think, between fans of jazz and hip hop? Like is is that something that you have tried to nurture more of or is there a natural kind of crossover between those fans in Japan? As for Chromanium, they do a rap music before Chromanium. Oh, did they? Yeah, yeah, like a lute. Right. There was an MC and some other players. Oh, that's amazing. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we know. Because the stuff I've heard is very like jazz and loose yeah, and musical. And, and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We call them human disco band. Human disco band. <laughs> So, um, yeah, they are already famous as a uh, hip-hop band. First hip-hop right. band, like a Roots. Oh, like the Roots, yeah, okay. So that was not many groups like hip-hop band doing hip-hop, you know? Yeah. So uh, they spread, they finish with the group and then they start Chromagnon. So we hooked them up quickly and they do instrumental kind of music influenced by hip-hop and soul and jazz. They, one of them doing the DJ, Tsuyoshi, the guitar bass and sampler mm-hmm. player, also DJing. He dig a lot and he knows a lot of music too. So um, that's, I can say it's natural things or crossover, mm. anything. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure they've brought their fans with them in, in that direction as well. Um, and then uh, Takumi from Cro-Magnon has also released a record that's like beautiful, like jazz piano, solo piano, right? Are you into that? That's really nice, I yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he, he kept dreaming, he said to me, like he kept dreaming about make a solo piano album. Mm-hmm. He could uh, borrow a really vintage Darium piano so he started making his own solo piano album and is that the first time that you've released a kind of pure jazz album yes thank you you call it jazz yeah <laughs> yeah it is it yeah. can't really be anything else really I think it's yeah mm, and he uh, you should check out his new piano solo album on compilation for Menace in France Paris label Oh, cool. Menace, it's coming out soon. You've had a few international artists on the label as well, um, like Steve Spacek and IG Culture. How has that ended up happening? Like, how would you decide what artists would be a good fit? Would you choose artists who are already well-known in Japan or is it more like you're trying to introduce a Japanese audience to names that might be new to them or how does it work? They ask us to put out their music. Really? <laughs> <laughs> we already got the connection and, uh, you know, we license, I license a lot of uh, Broken Beats kind of stuff from London. Right. But for the X label. So I still got some connection 
That's London people. Oh, interesting. So you mean like the kind of broken beat earlier noughties people, you're connected to those because you were licensing them? Yeah, licensing them, licensing loads of motion stuff, right. basically. And then we, I got to go to London. I've been to London for promotion pickup with a music writer. I brought him to the London town to check the broken beat scene and then meet the artist and producer themselves and or something like that. That was when we start using an iChat or something <laughs> on the Macintosh and send the data and the music and check the demos. And that was happened. That way uh, we get much more closer to the uh, Obashi artists like IG and artists you mentioned. Yeah. And even uh, artists from the United States. That makes it easy to collaborate through the internet. Mm-hmm. You must have been visiting places like Plastic People then, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been Plastic People actually with uh, Mitsu and Jab. I don't know, but uh, I've been there three times. Uh, yeah. What do you think is the hardest part of running the label? Make a profit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> well, why, why is that? Why is it so difficult? Because we just don't care about the profit. So. <laughs> Music comes first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has it got harder over the years or easier to run the label to make a profit? In between. (laughs) Sometimes good, sometimes bad. Tell me about how you've reacted to other changes in the industry, though, because really the music industry has just changed so much in the space of about 20 years. Um, The shift into digital and streaming Mm. and away from physical records and from record stores. Um, I wondered if you'd made any predictions or business decisions that turned out to be wrong or that didn't work out? Were there ever any moments like that where you felt that you might have made the wrong decision or a difficult decision? We just, I just follow the games they play. That's it. Not much. Uh, always new things coming like a, a subscription, like a Spotify and iTunes. Apple Music in Japan came after from the States and Euro because all the major labels don't sign quickly with those kind of things in Japan. But they offer us from the beginning, even they just set up their own company in Japan and they offer us like, you do this, you do that. By them, it's like Spotify came through to our office, so you do it. Or they uh, Maybe they're a fan of us and iTunes, so uh, we just say yes or no right. to them. So like, in a way, being a more underground label in Japan gives you access to big tech and music companies in the rest of the world. So like, because you're independent, you're, you've are you been able to kind of quickly get, get on board with Spotify and Apple Music and things like that? Yeah, yeah I yeah. think so. And they, uh, they need some variation of the music when they started in Japan, their business, you know. But, you know, always major la- Japanese major label tend to not to sign them quickly. Right. So meanwhile, they had hunting other junk labels and, <laughs> and stuff. That's why we had one. <laughs> we had one of the easy hunting. <laughs> yeah, right. It's, easy, it's easier for them to make a deal with you than it is to make a deal with the big Japanese major labels. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Mm. Um, 
Well, and then my final question really is is about the role of independent labels because that's changed so much and it, I think it will continue to change because basically now artists can make their own music at home and sell records without needing a label, really. So mm. having said that, I don't think mm. the labels are going anywhere. So what do you think will be the role of independent labels like Jazzy Sport in the future? That's tough question. That's, it's it's happening now. They don't need label anyway. I think I feel that way too. If I'm an artist, I don't do I don't deal with the label. But the label got flavors and uh, some credits already. So that was a only part of the label. I think. Is there a sense that um, a label can offer a kind of community? Like I wonder if. The artists on Jazzy Sport maybe hang out with each other and like see each other in real life, and if that's if that's part of what makes it a special label. Yes, and um, uh, some people keep dreaming maybe put out their music on some certain label they like. So that that's the only role for the labels now, and they can invest. They can press the vinyl and CDs, no more <laughs> music tools and maybe that solo artists can can cannot do such investment yeah exactly so you can provide that kind of investment for them and give them some yeah. some direction when they maybe don't know where mm. mm-hmm. and the distribution and promotion that's it that's why we, we run other things you know like another bouldering gyms right now <laughs> yeah. we yeah, right now we're building a new bouldering gym in Tokyo. Oh, wow. Great. You're fully transitioning into a, a, a climbing company. <laughs> uh, climbing. Yeah, we are kind of famous in climbing, in the climbing business, I guess. Uh, it's in downtown Tokyo. And when will it open? Uh, middle of set, September. You should come and Prime. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Please okay. do. I will invite you for nothing. Oh, well, thank you very much. Well, in that case, mm. I, I look forward to finally making it to uh, not just the Jazzy Sport store, but the Jazzy Sport bouldering gym. <laughs> You're yeah, de- it's, definitely... called, uh, it's called the Stone Session. The Stone Session. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you're definitely the only label I've spoken to so far who has a bouldering gym. So that is completely <laughs> unique in the world of records. Yeah, two bouldering gyms. So two, Please. yeah, two. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Taro, thank you so much for talking to me about Jazzy Sport. Thank you, really ciao. appreciate it. Thank you so much. Domo arigato. You've been listening to Relevant Parties from Carhartt Work in Progress. If you want to dive into more music from the labels in this series, check out the Relevant Parties playlist on Spotify. You can find the link in the show notes. And remember, you can subscribe to Relevant Parties so that you never miss an episode. It's available wherever good podcasts are found. And if you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to leave a rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts. We'd really love to know what you think. So thanks for listening and join me next time for more stories behind the world's best record labels. 